is the regulators podcast i am your host waldo where would you rather be right now than here with us we definitely appreciate you joining us as always so a lot to uh to get into this week a lot to not get into because unlike you who are listening to this uh, i am living in the past at the moment i am recording this uh late late tuesday night with the information that is available to me. So by the time you hear this, depending on whether you listen to it early Wednesday morning on your way to work um, or sometime later during the week, there could be parts of this that are completely no longer accurate or relevant. But I am going to do the best that I can to stay ahead of the curve and to talk about the things that I know to be fact and the things that I am able to talk about at the current moment. Uh, especially with as many drinks as I have had because I tried to wait as late as possible just in case anything comes up that could change uh, potential information that I'm giving out. And what inevitably will happen is I will wrap this show, I will post it, and within minutes something will be breaking news. But that's the world that we live in in 2023. Still can't fucking believe it. That's going to take a while to get used to writing. But I appreciate all you guys. Um, it was it was nice to have your kind words last week when we came back from a small hiatus. And uh, shout out to uh, you know all our OGs that are riding with us, our, our Patreon sergeants, um, Sergeant Corey, Sergeant JC, and Sergeant Dustfin. I, I appreciate you guys. Um, I appreciate Dawn, who's, you know, going through her little thing right now. Uh, hope you're doing well and having a good week. Um, everybody who follows us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod, and just, you know, some of the DMs that we have about random, innocuous things that mostly football-related, but sometimes just life and different things. Um, I, I enjoy it. It's a very important Part of my week and and part of of what I do is uh, conversing with you guys, and I appreciate the relationship that we have. So, having said that, let's talk about football. Okay, so obviously, elephant in the room, Demar Hamlin collapsed on the field uh, Monday night, and we're going to talk about some things, but I'm going to tell you at the top of the show what we're not going to do. I'm not going to tell you that I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night and read up on what medically happens when someone has heart problems. I am not going to tell you the latest tinfoil conspiracy theory about whether or not he was vaccinated. I am not going to blame players and talk about, you know, the way that he was hit and other nonsense that's going on out there and listen like some people are grieving some people are just looking for someone to blame and they're kind of lashing out and that's one thing but there's other people who just really want to watch the world burn and they're going to continue to spin their bullshit and you know something I think that's very important to remember and we kind of talk about it a lot but 
there's a lot of people who will be saying asinine things on the internet right now. And know that while there is a good, you know, maybe fifth of the population that is so mentally challenged that they could be believing the things that they're saying on the internet, um, the good portion of them are complete trolls and are doing it for clicks. They're doing it for attention. So when you quote tweet, and this can be for someone whose username is random name bunch of numbers, or it can be someone on a major television network who's saying asinine things. And this is not directed towards one person in particular because I've seen a litany of people popping off at the mouth this week. Understand that they're doing it because they know you will quote tweet it, you will share it, you will tag them in it, and all you're doing is driving attention and clicks to their pages, to their shows, to everything that they do. So the easiest way is to just turn your back on these people. Don't don't comment, don't respond. I, I know the first instinct is to just quote tweet and be like, look at what this idiot said. Like, no, let's not look at what the idiot said. That's the problem. We look at too much of what idiots do and say and we share it with other people, like, just just stop doing that, okay? So that's all I have to say about that. Now, let's talk about a few things. So, watching the game, and, you know, I'm sure by now you've watched, like I have, just nonstop coverage of the DeMar Hamlin situation, and it's just beaten into your skull, and you you probably could use a little bit of a, a reprieve. So we're not going to make this whole show about that. I, I promise you that. Not because it's not warranted, not because it's a tragic situation that this young man is going through, but because what we do here is we cover football and we talk about the games that are coming up and, and different things. And while this is a horrifically sad situation that we hope for the best positive outcome. We are not medical doctors here. I do not have a background in cardiology. I do not pretend to have some inside government knowledge of some conspiracy that was formed. I don't I don't have any of that. So there are 27 channels you can turn on today if you want to be sad and you want to just linger in this moment. And I'm sure there are people who are like, I don't even want to think about football right now. How can we talk about fantasy? How can we talk about stats? How can we talk about anything when a young man is fighting for his life? And that's fair. And that's a completely fair sentiment. And I encourage you to not listen to this or to you know, go listen to those other channels. Um who are doing their best to try to tread lightly with sensitivity and and things like that. Um, But on this show, what I'm telling you is that we are going to talk about all the other things that I feel I am qualified to talk about, the least of which is the DeMar Hamlin situation, because again, I'm not a qualified medical expert. I'm not one of his brothers, his teammates. I'm I'm not someone who has any inside information that you're not going to get through Schefter or Rappaport or whoever's breaking news. I've never wanted to be in the breaking news business. That's that's not what I do. So 
there's nothing of value that I can that I can add there. My only value is to possibly offer you a small distraction in your week as we transition towards what we assume will be football games this weekend. So, before we get into that, I would like to briefly get on my soapbox not to talk about conspiracy or medical theories or anything like that. But about the one thing that still lingers with me and and that bothers me from the game. When Hamlin collapsed on the field, and from what the reports are that, you know, his his heart stopped and um, he had to be given uh, medical attention to restore his heart. I'm, I'm treading lightly because the, the word was that it was CPR, but a lot of people don't want to say that because they, they don't know the medical, uh, technically, what was happening, and, and that's fair. Um, but the point is, what shook me was watching the players' faces, all of them immediately crying, and players, coaches, grown-ass men, like everywhere crying, you knew this something was fucked up. You knew something was wrong. But what bothered me was it took a fucking hour, a fucking full hour for the NFL to cancel the game. Like even even after the the ambulance had left the stadium and it like so all this oh like they wanted to make sure the the traffic wouldn't be there for the ambulance like just just stop just miss me with this bullshit and I get it listen th- logistically there's a lot of things happening and you ha- but. I know what I believe to be true of how that game stopped, when it stopped, um, but I have no proof of that. All I have is the documented past of the NFL, and I have someone on Twitter, I wish I knew their name, uh, made a very good point earlier in the day where they said only two things can be true. They said either A, somebody whether it was a referee, whether it was an official, somebody from the NFL, somebody either had said, you know, all right, guys, you're going to have five minutes to warm up, and Joe Burrow was warming up, and Stephon Diggs was talking to his teammates and everything. Either that actually happened, or Joe Buck just made up the most ridiculous lie on the spot, the announcing crew, you know, just pulling things out of their ass. Um, one Only one of those two things happens. So either the NFL is trying to backtrack some things or Joe Buck and the announcing crew is just incredulous liars. But having said that, let's move off from that for a second. Ryan Clark, I, I commend him. Um, there, was, there was a lot of people who had some really great things to say in, in a tough situation and Ryan Clark and I definitely do not often agree like that that is not something that that always happens but he was spitting facts and specifically when he talked about you know people call these guys fucking bums right you flick them off from the the front stands like you you know call these guys trash and all the horrible things that you say about these people these are kids most of them These are kids in their early 20s going to work. Yes, it's their dream job, but these are human fucking beings. Like, hopefully, and I know this isn't a catch-all, and it won't 
you know, grab everybody. But hopefully, even if this changes 5%, 5% of NFL fans who watch the game who go, man, it's these guys are humans. I'm, I'm going to check myself a little bit more. And I'm not saying, of course, you're, you're going to get uh, enthusiastic at the games. And, you know, I'm not saying don't boo somebody, you know, like, you know, from the stands. What I'm saying is the way that we create a disassociation from players, not just because they're players to where us, it's like a video game playing out in front of our eyes, but especially because some of them make millions. And it, it's very important to stress some of them. Because in a situation like DeMar Hamlin where, you know, six-round pick, I think his signing bonus was like $100,000, which is his only guaranteed money on the contract. Like, these guys aren't set for life. Like, most of the NFL is not your Russell Wilson contracts. It's, it's not your star-wide receivers. Most of the NFL doesn't even get drafted. Okay? Like, you have to understand, on draft night, each each team goes through, and maybe if they're lucky, they take four to seven players to add to their team. There's 53 guys on the roster. There's a lot of people there that are not signing, you know, huge, life-changing money, $20 million a year type deals, okay? But in our minds, whatever they're making is more than us. So they should be so fucking grateful for what they have that we should be able to just treat them like they're subhumans and nothing else matters. So I hope that this situation puts into perspective just briefly enough for some people to realize that these are just young kids going out, trying to, yes, play their dream job out and... You know, they they put a lot on the line for that. And that's exactly why when I say, people say honor your contract to someone who signs like, say a three or four year deal as like an underplayed player and then completely outplays that contract and they say, oh, honor that contract. But yet, in a situation like this where a player gets injured, if depending on what they have guaranteed for injury and depending on different, like, Players can, teams can get rid of you and just say, well, you know, I know you had two years left on the contract, but you had no more guaranteed money, and so we're going to walk. Well, honor the contract that you signed, owners. Why do we say that millionaires are greedy when they ask for theirs, but never question the billionaires who are trying to keep more of theirs? You see how hypocritical that is? So anyways, hopefully just gleams a little bit more perspective for everybody. Having said that, um, these people, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are negative and they're going to do what they do and they're going to troll and they're going to be just pieces of shit and that that's whatever but i was very happy to see most people especially immediately after most people on twitter offering words of encouragement offering their sympathies and empathies offering 
kind words and just from every team, from every organization. It was just nice to see the NFL community come together and in a number of ways. Uh, DeMar Hamlin actually has a charity toy drive that initially had a goal of raising $2,500. And since his injury on Monday night, last I heard that that charity has now raised over $5 million in just a 24-hour period, and it is continuing to grow. So that honestly restores my faith in people that, you know, we talk a lot of shit about our rivals. We love to give our friends a ribbing and just, you know, um, be condescending pricks at times. But when when the chips are stacked, we come together. The NFL community has time and time again shown that they can come together. And that honestly just really gives me a little bit of a hope uh, for humanity. Football is a game. It is a small part of life. And though a lot of people dedicate their lives to the game, it's still secondary to the bigger picture of life. And so I'm very appreciative that I was able to see some of those positive silver linings. Now, having said that, I'd like to revisit a brief history of the NFL. The NFL played games days after JFK was shot. Okay. They also played a game a day after a Kansas City Chiefs player murdered his girlfriend, the mother of their three-month-old daughter, drove to the Chiefs' facility, and then shot himself in front of the GM and the coaches. You didn't know about that? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you should look into that. A man who was an employee of the team, who was a player for the team, murders someone, drives to the facility, encounters coaches and the GM, explains to them what's going on and what just happened. They plead with him to put down the gun. He shoots himself. The NFL says, well, there's a game tomorrow, so y'all got to do what you got to do. Like, can can, can you even process this? But because none of us saw it, none of us were watching it on primetime, there was no huge outrage. It just came and went. And the NFL said the show goes on. We will continue to watch the NFL fall all over themselves to try to spin this like they only care about player health. But sadly, there are many instances of them showing that that's not true. Now, there are many in the game that are trying to make it better, that are trying to improve player safety and uh, attention to mental health and all kinds of things. Um, But the power of the profit drives it all. And the only thing going in the favor of decency right now is that logistically rescheduling this game would be a nightmare. I don't think people understand, I was having a conversation with someone today, what logistically happens during a typical NFL game for for one game, for two teams. 
So someone who worked in the organization in an NFL, for an NFL team uh, for many years, I was part of production meetings where everything was discussed from pregame all the way up through postgame. And to give you a small example of, of the types of things that I'm talking about, let's say it's a 115 kickoff, okay? 115, that means 102, cheerleaders and mascot is on the field in the east end zone. Music starts playing for their intro. At 105, their song is done and they line up for player introductions. At 107, the players come out, etc., 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 and this goes all the way through to commercial breaks, which advertisers are being highlighted during commercial breaks, which in-game features are happening, and you have people on headsets. This looks like one of the biggest productions you've ever seen, and it's all behind the scenes. Most people have no idea any of this stuff is going on. They have any idea how orchestrated everything is, and they have no idea the manpower that it takes to get the equipment, the supplies, everything on the trucks to the stadium set up the way it's supposed to be. The the technology, the the tablets, the in-game radios that the coaches have up to the booth, the play sheets, everything. Logistically, there is a lot that happens for an event that is always moving. Teams are playing in, in different stadiums every single week. They're always on the move. And the NFL has it down to a science. They, ha they have a lot of things in place. But there's a lot of people. And there's a lot going on. So when Tuesday morning someone said to me that, you know, well, they'll just reschedule the game for tonight. And I was like, first of all, no. Um, second of all, half the team is in, in Buffalo. And they were like, well, but, you know, it's like an hour plane ride or so. Like, it's not that far. And I'm like, that, that to me cemented the fact that most people have no idea, through no fault of their own, just like what a production an NFL game is. And the amount of people, the... <laughs> The vendors, the concession stands, the parking attendants. The, and you have to understand that when these things are planned so far in advance, let's say you're a big team that rents out security or you rent out third-party staff to operate parking or things like that. You might have an event today and then you might have a concert tomorrow where you're contracted over there. You might have this. There's so much logistical things that are happening and you can't just say, ah, oh, well, we just... Make it the next day and everything's fine. So that is the only thing right now that is in the favor of decency is that logistically rescheduling the Bengals game and the Bills game is, is a nightmare. I see only a couple possible scenarios. Honestly, the most likely thing I think is that they'll just scrub the game. Nobody gets a win. Nobody gets a loss. They're not going to draw it. They're not going to call it a tie. It'll just be like it never happened, and each team will have one less game. Um, now, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, but what if? What about the playoff seeding, and what about the division for the AFC North, and all this? And like, yes, you're right, but no matter what they do, there is no perfect solution. No matter how you schedule it out, no matter how, something is going to be fucked, something is going to be 
different, okay? And it's going to have rippling effects. So the only other solution, and this is where your logistical nightmare comes in, is that you play the Week 18 games, which as of right now we believe are all going to happen as normal. And then on Saturday or Sunday you make the decision we are going to push the playoffs back an extra week. The Pro Bowl might either get bounced or bumped or to the week after the Super Bowl or a makeup date, I don't know. And then there's only one week between the AFC NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like, instead of two weeks, you have one week. You know, it is what it is. But that's the only other that's the only scenario I can see where this game actually gets played because the games are scheduled to take place on Sunday and then you have a week before the playoffs start so you're not going to get a game you're not going to end on Sunday have a couple teams play on Wednesday and then have cuz both these teams are playoff bound then they're going to play again you know the following Saturday or Sunday a few days after that. The Players Association wouldn't have it. The NFL wouldn't have it. It's it's just not going to happen. So the only way that game gets made up is if you push back the entire situation. Now, the only thing in the favor of this logistical nightmare is because we don't technically know the playoff seeding yet, there's nothing that says, well, we knew the Chiefs were going to host a home playoff game next week. No, because you didn't know if they were going to have the bye or they were not going to have the bye. Same thing in the NFC. You've got the Eagles who may get the first round bye, may not. You, even if you have um, you know, a home division winner like, say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they don't know if, when they're going to play and what day and things like that. So there are people on standby that you know, know things are coming. And... You, there's no guarantee anybody makes it past the first round. So logistically, there's a little bit less of a nightmare if you push everything one week. So I think that's the only likely scenario the NFL has is everybody's going to take a beat after week 18. We will reschedule only the Bills and Bengals game and we'll do it for Saturday or Sunday night or whatever the availability is you know, that they have. So, outside of that, I don't think the game continues. But, we will see how it happens. Um, I uh, I don't know. I, I still can't get over the fact that it took the NFL an hour to fucking postpone that game. And, you know, supposedly, you know, the NFL wanted to play right after 9-11. The players pushed back. So, it just doesn't shock me. But... Um, obviously it's a completely crazy situation and we will move on from it at this point. But something interesting that I also don't think, uh, people realize is how often players get hurt at any position, but especially the quarterback position. A lot gets made of, you know, Dak's injuries. Uh, He's been injured a few times, missed time. Uh, Jimmy G, 
multiple times and we know we know the situation over there you look at what happened with Trey Lance the whole 49ers organization has had bad luck with injuries for years you look at um the Tua situation there's a lot of different things but a lot of people might not realize that only 11 quarterbacks have started every NFL game this year 32 teams 11 quarterbacks so basically a third of the league has started every single game there are 65 quarterbacks who have started a game this season 65 more than double the amount of teams this does not even include quarterbacks who came in you know for a few series while their QB was banged up or had to come in and finish a game this is just quarterbacks who got a complete start 65 starters this idea that quarterbacks are indestructible in a league where players are bigger and faster than ever before is just asinine now granted availability is important but joe burrow missed six games as a rookie josh allen missed four as a rookie kenny pickett has had two concussions as a rookie do you see a trend like nobody nobody is indestructible yes brady missed that one season and outside of that he seems to be you know just the guy that keeps on ticking yet according to his own wife he gets concussed all the time brett Favre, who had the iron man streak that he was so proud of he says he's had thousands of concussions so while I admire people like Matt Stafford, who we've seen just get brutally injured and just abused on the field and just tough it out and stick it out, and we admire toughness, and that, that's fine. There's one thing to admire toughness. I'm not, I'm not knocking that, okay? I think, number one, most players are playing through way more than you will ever know, even just physically. You have no idea that just because they were taken off the injury report or just because they weren't put on the injury report that they're healthy. Why, why, why aren't they? Why are they having issues? Like, no. Especially at this time of year, almost none of them are healthy. Like 100% full like you are in an offseason healthy? No. Everybody is dealing with something. And I think that this this idea that somebody gets hurt and you know people call them fragile or soft or all kinds of things like look what happened this week look how easy it is no dirty hits no like shit happens man life just happens in general you add high speed collisions to that and and things are going to happen so 65 quarterbacks have started a game this season Keep that in mind next time you're calling players soft or, you know, saying that they're brittle or, or fragile. Like, you, you have no idea, no idea what it takes and, and what can happen out on that football field. So, let's talk about some football for a moment. The first two games that we have scheduled this weekend are our Saturday games. So, you have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, currently, I'm going to give you all the odds. I don't know if we're placing bets. 
this week. Um, one of our last bets got returned, obviously, because of the situation in Monday Night Football. Um, those bets were returned, so I don't even still have full confidence that all these games are, are going to happen this week. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but it's it's just too difficult. I might, I'm, I will probably place uh, one sweetheart teaser and call it a day, but we'll see. I'm, I'm going to wait towards the weekend because there's just so much up in the air. But I want to give you the odds if you are looking to make a bet. So Kansas City is favored by 7.5 points on the road against the Raiders. Now for me, Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham going to overtime was exactly the game that we needed to start off 2023. Um, I thought it was a fantastic game, but despite that great game, there are a lot of things on the horizon for the Las Vegas Raiders that they will have to contend with. One of them is that Derek Carr signed a three-year, $121.5 million contract this offseason with a no-trade clause, which means he would have first right of refusal for anywhere the Raiders would want to trade him, which it sounds like is going to be the case. Um, I can't wait to see how it all works out. There's so many ramifications of this. Devontae Adams obviously left Aaron Rodgers to go play with Derek Carr. They thought they were going to light it up. Things were going to be magic, and now it looks like Derek Carr may no longer be a Raider. Which, make no mistake, teams will be calling, and I think he will be moved sooner rather than later, as long as it's somewhere that he wants to go and everything makes sense for him. But the Raiders just continue to disappoint, and it's it's really unfortunate because I got love for the silver and black man, and it's just it's it's unfortunate to see. But they have a home game to close out the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. And wouldn't it be great to see Jared Stidham give Patrick Mahomes a run for his money and uh, everything that he has. So we have potential for a good game. Kansas City, they still have a shot to clinch the number one seed in the AFC. And obviously that pathway would be made easier if for some reason the Bengals-Bills game never gets rescheduled. Um, because those are the only two teams that can stand in their way of that number one seed at the moment. So, I again, there's there's so much, so many domino effects here. But the Chiefs are favored by seven and a half on the road. I think I think the Raiders make it interesting. Um, I don't know if they get within a touchdown, but should be a good game, and I'm very interested to see the um, the continued work of Mr. Stidham. Now, the second Saturday game is the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Jaguars are favored by six and a half in this game, and this is just a completely crazy situation. Um... You know, Tennessee is 0-7 this season against teams with a winning record. And now they plan to start Dobbs again with the division on the line. They've lost six straight. And I would be completely shocked if they pulled this upset out of their ass. Um, It's crazy because earlier in the season, 
you know, we talked about it. The Titans started losing games here and there, and we're like, yeah, but they're in the AFC South, so they're just going to coast. We thought they were going to pull a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now here it is. I mean, the Titans can still do it. They can still technically win the division, but they have no signs of life over the last six weeks, and the Jaguars are the complete polar opposite. That's why they're favored by six and a half points. Uh, What a turnaround that we've seen from them, and... I, I really hope they continue it. I'd love to see Duval secure the division this week. It'd be a great thing for Jacksonville to see themselves back in the playoffs. It'd be a great thing to see Trevor Lawrence get some of that postseason experience. So I'm rooting for Duval. And then that will take us to what we think will be Sunday games. Uh, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are favored by four in this one. Tampa Bay has already clinched the division. They've got the playoffs now, and I don't know where this Bucks team has been, but I could have used it. Um, I benched both Tom Brady and Mike Evans, mainly because I'm a piece of shit, but more importantly, because why wouldn't you? That offense has done nothing to give you confidence. Nothing at all. And they fucking went off. I mean, if I would have had both those guys in, then... It's over. I win my fantasy championship, and I'm I'm uh, enjoying my third title as a uh, in my in my fantasy league. But because I had no faith in that Bucks offense, I put Josh Allen in, and now I wait and see to how that's going to play out. But Brady and Evans went off. They did their thing. Um, I'm sure they single-handedly won somebody their championship somewhere. Can they do it again on the road against the Falcons with nothing technically really to play for? They've already wrapped up the division. Um, I don't know. It was it was like that old tiger on the back nine. It was it was Brady, playoffs on the line. Did what he had to do, man. I don't know if we'll see an encore. Uh, but I wouldn't bet against them at this point. They they woke the fuck up for sure. With Atlanta, it's another disappointing year for Arthur Blank and the Falcons. And that just leaves us with more questions than answers. I hope Arthur Smith can get this team going in the right direction. Um, I would love to see the Dirty Birds be relevant. I I'm still saddened by what happened to them in the Super Bowl it was it was jaw-dropping to watch it was incredulous you know if you were a (laughs) Patriots fan then it was the greatest day of your life but um you know Arthur Smith has to get this turned around and I think hitching his wagon to Marcus Mariota was not a great start I never bought in I said that from the offseason like okay how many weeks until we pull this guy because he's not the fucking answer. Um, so they got to figure out, more importantly, you know what's going on at quarterback. They went after Deshaun Watson. They didn't get him. They know that they need answers there. And so we will see if Desmond Ritter can grow. I, I fully believed in him heading into the draft. I would love to see him get an opportunity to, you know, really flourish and. Uh, you know, possibly see what he can grow into. But for now, 
Falcons are closing out the season by hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Falcons are favored by four points in this game. And that brings us to a game that I'm still not sure happens this week, but allegedly. New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. So, New England Patriots, they win and they're in. They're currently sitting in that seven seed for the playoffs. If they win, they're going to the playoffs. But honestly, who knows with this game? Last week, Patriots beat the Dolphins in an insane game. Um, The Patriots have now, and I want to be clear, Patriots have a top five defense. They're doing a lot of things well. Offense is not one of them. Um... And that Uche and, um, you know, these guys they have on the defensive line for the New England Patriots, like, they got they got some playmakers, man. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't want anyone to take this as shade, but I'm just giving out information here. The Patriots have now beat a slew of fucking backup quarterbacks this year. These are all the quarterbacks that the New England Patriots have beat this season. Jacoby Brissett, backup to Deshaun Watson. Sam Ellinger, backup to Matt Ryan or anybody else the Colts have. Mitch Trubisky, backup to Kenny Pickett. Zach Wilson, twice backup to Mike White. Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater, backup to Tua. And Jared Goff. Jared Goff is the only player on that list who is a permanent starter. Those are the quarterbacks that the New England Patriots have beat. Now listen, that's not your fault. You play who's on your schedule. You play who's up. And I'm not saying there's some conspiracy that the um the uh the Patriots had to somehow get seven backup quarterbacks on their schedule. But considering the fact that you know those are their wins, seven out of their eight wins were against backup quarterbacks. Seems suspect to say the least. But now they face Josh Allen, playoff spot on the line, road game in what, if it happens, is going to be an emotional game. I I still don't even know if how the, the Bills get ready for this game. From the Bills' perspective, your brother, your your homie, like your friend, your 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 family is is sitting in a hospital right now and, and you don't know if he's gonna be okay. And what, you're you're gonna go to work tomorrow and start prepping for the Patriots and talking about cover two and audibles and, you know, what formations we like on special teams and, you know, if we get into the goal line, situ- like, is is that what we're doing? Like, is that, I mean, the show goes on, right? Like, like sure, we can give credit to the NFL for saying, hey, we're canceling the game, probably because the players and the coaches were like, yeah, we're not fucking playing. 
Um, but yeah, we're canceling the game. We don't know if we're going to make it up. We're just going to take this week, you know, whatever. But okay, but you also said week 18 is going on as normal, which means right now, as you're listening to my voice, the Buffalo Bills should be getting ready for New England. How the fuck are they supposed to get ready for New England? And I'm not saying I, again, I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm not saying that anything will be the right decision. So I'm not trying to be overly harsh on the league. But what I'm saying is it's hard for me, a fan, a novice, a outsider, to picture being in that building when I just cried with my teammates as I watched a man's heart stop on an NFL field and then the next day be told, all right, we got to get ready for New England. Here, come into these meetings. Pay attention to what we're doing. Let's get locked in, okay? We're still fighting for a number one seed. Like, who the fuck cares? Who's paying attention in those meetings? And you can say, oh, these guys are professionals and, you know, they're at the top of their crap. Like, you don't know what some of these relationships are like in these locker rooms and you don't know how close these people are. This isn't you and Kathy from accounting. This isn't, you know, you with the guy in the cubicle next to you who go grab a beer sometimes. These guys go to war with each other every fucking day, every week, and to see the scene that played out on Monday night and then just conduct business as usual. And again, I'm I'm not here screaming shut the season down for the rest of the year. It's all over. like that's not what I'm saying. It's it's going to happen. The games are going to get played, at least the week 18 ones for sure. Whether it's right away or whatever. What I'm saying is all my thoughts are with you know the Bills players who are going to try to somehow prepare for a game right now this week with everything that's going on with their teammate. Having said that, next game on the schedule is the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Minnesota Vikings are minus six. They're favored by just under a touchdown on the road. And listen, everyone's clowning Kirk Cousins for his three interceptions last game. And I I do enjoy the jokes for the any time other than 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins and 1, Kirk, 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins because it is a bizarre trend. It is a bizarre trend, much like the Kyler Murray and the Call of Duty extra points weekends. Like it, It's a bizarre trend, to say the least. And while it's fair to critique Kirk Cousins, the loudest mockery seems to come from those who never gave him credit the whole times that, that the Vikings were the second best team in football. Since he has gotten to Minnesota, he has been the model of a franchise quarterback. But his defense has been trash for years. And he doesn't look how you want him to look or play for a team that you glamorize, so you clown him. I look forward to the Vikings making some noise in the playoffs, and I hope they get out of this game healthy against the Bears and get ready for the postseason. I'm here for it, and yes, Kirk, I do like that. So shut him up hard. 
The most positive thing for the Chicago Bears right now is their success of Justin Fields with the ball in his hands. And I hope that this front office can find ways to utilize his skill set and to put things around him that don't involve him needing to rush for 200 yards in every game. For true success, and more importantly longevity, he needs to be the best of a dual-threat quarterback and not be one-dimensional. Because all those awesome runs, they're great, but they've led to nothing but nine straight losses for the Bears. And I'm not saying that it's Justin Fields' fault, like why couldn't he run for 300 yards instead of 200, or, you know, I know he broke an NFL record, but, you know, couldn't he have done more? What I'm saying is, that's not a recipe for success, and the nine straight losses bears that out. That's not how you can consistently win games. You go back and you look at the situation with Tim Tebow where he would complete two passes and win a game. I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That happened. It's like two for six. And they won the fucking game. That's not a normal recipe for success. Okay? So... The Bears got a lot of things to figure out. Um, Right now, though, they're fighting with the Texans for the number one overall pick. So it will be very interesting to see how much effort is exerted and not primarily just from players because players are going to play. Players aren't going to say, oh, we're tanking, we can get an extra higher higher draft pick. Players don't do that. But coaches do that. Coaches who've been instructed to do that do that. And they can call specific game plays. They can call certain situations. They can rest certain players. They can bench certain players. We have seen it happen before. So as much as, you know, the NFL looked into the Dolphins and, you know, took a draft pick from them for all their shenanigans and, you know, this, you know, our our owners ever telling coaches to tank, yeah. Yeah, fucking happens. So, I will be interested to see how the Chicago Bears perform against a playoff team when the Bears really have nothing to fight for. That's what will tell me a lot about this team. And then we have the Baltimore Ravens who are supposed to be in Cincinnati taking on the Bengals which could potentially be for the division. I don't have a line on this game. This is one of two lines, two games I don't have a line for because Vegas doesn't even know what the fuck to do with this right now. Now, for Baltimore, when Lamar Jackson starts, the Baltimore Ravens average 28 points per game. That's the second highest in NFL history For a single quarterback. They need him. Back. And cooking. For this postseason. They've already clinched the playoffs. So they have that. But they can still win the division. At the moment. Now Baltimore has the number three defense. In the NFL. So that will. Keep them within range. Where if Lamar can't go. Tyler Huntley can. You know try to put up a fight. But. 
going against the Bengals, you're going to need more firepower than that. So Lamar Jackson really needs to get right, needs to get back. And I'm not saying this in a, oh, like he should hurry up. Why is he still hurt? I'm just saying that hopefully for the Ravens, you know, he can get back sooner rather than later because the night and day difference when he's on the field to when he's not, it's just incomparable. The Bengals at the moment have won seven straight games and they were cooking before the NFL world came to a complete halt on Monday Night Football. Just as I mentioned with the Bills, I don't even know if how they prep for the Ravens right now. Bengals in the facility just like, all right, I guess it's on to Baltimore and then we'll figure out if we have to come back and play the Bills again or how that will all work out, which I'm telling you, the more I think about it, the more it just get, I don't think the game gets made up. I think the NFL just moves on as usual. I don't even know if they call it a tie. I don't. I, I think it's just a non-played game. I think it's just completely canceled. And the NFL will hope for a lot of things to happen. They will hope that the Bengals beat the Ravens, in which case, Bengals already clinched the division. That's it. Nothing else matters. So even though they're still technically could get like a one seed, they've already clinched the division, so there's less of an impact if that game doesn't get played, right? They will also hope that the Chiefs win this weekend and therefore, you know, getting that one seed to where, all right, the Buffalo game you know, even if Buffalo wins, they're they're probably not getting that that one seed. So, in my personal opinion, I think I think the NFL would love for certain things to fall a certain way. Um, again, not that any of this brings them joy, but just because logistically it would help them out a lot if it's not, oh, okay, by not playing this game, somebody wins or doesn't win the division, you know, something like that. But Obviously, we will find out. Then you have the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are favored by two and a half points. And that is because the Texans and the Bears, as I mentioned, are racing to the bottom of the league for the number one overall pick. And that is the only reason I see the Colts possibly riding off with a possible W. Houston has been a shit show for a long time. There was a brief blip on the radar when Deshaun Watson was playing well for Houston. Uh, But even when he went insano on the field and was the most elite quarterback in football, his team won four games. And, you know, that was after, you know, them squeaking into the playoffs before and and some other things and Bill O'Brien just completely flushing their future down the toilet. But Houston has been a shit show for a while. And I don't even know where to start with them. Obviously, when you're fighting for the number one overall pick, there's no, well, you know, if we could just, you know, go get Derek Carr in the offseason or if we could, no, there is no buckle in. You're two, three years away. Two, if you get the perfect situation and, you know, light comes out of something, but in general... You're looking at a three-year rebuild in Houston. And 
you know that it it is what it is you know tear it down rebuild it from the ashes but right now that's what it is speaking of the ashes jeff saturday has been a complete fucking disaster the indianapolis colts have lost six in a row and the true football fan in me hopes that jim ursay writes this wrong he thanks jeff saturday for his service in a tough situation and then he brings in someone who can be an actual nfl coach but the anarchist in me the person who just wants to watch the world burn and watch people sit in their shit and stew hopes that he announce announces that jim saturday will be the permanent head coach after of course a, a sham interview process uh, with minority candidates you know of course um, but then that he announces Jeff Saturday as the permanent coach because Jim Ursay strikes me as the kind of man, like a lot of people, who would die before admitting that they are wrong because they want so badly to be right more than they want good shit to happen. And that's what I think of Jim Ursay. But I'm sure there's no way Jeff Saturday is their head coach week one of next year. I mean, the Colts have lost six in a row. Like, there's been no... Jeff Saturday is now responsible for the biggest choke job in NFL history. Literally. I, I don't see it. But stranger things have happened or have been attempted to happen. So... Who fucking knows? Prove me wrong, Jim Mercer. I don't think that you're that stupid and that fucking um, stubborn that you would make him the permanent coach. For Colts fans, I, I, I hope that I'm, I'm right and he's, he's not that bad and he's, he'll fix the situation. But talking about fixing situations, New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are somehow favored by one in this game. I have no fucking clue how. The Jets have missed the playoffs now for the 12th straight year, the longest streak in the NFL. They've lost five straight games. And what looked like an incredible division in the AFC East earlier in the season just went <laughs> like done. Basuda. So, in positive news, Sauce Gardner set a record for most defended passes for a rookie. Uh, the Jets do still have the number four defense in the NFL, so I think they're going to give the Dolphins backups fits. And, um, you know, I think that if the Jets can find a way to get a divorce out of Zach Wilson ejecto cito cuz and start figuring out how to fix the offense i know that salah has been um high on mike lafleur and you know says he still wants him around i don't know if that will happen or not but there's a lot to fix especially on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball man these guys are are doing everything that they can like i said you still have a top five defense, number four overall in the NFL, in spite of your horrific quarterback play, in spite of your horrific offensive 
output. And on the other side of the field, they have the Dolphins, who've also lost five straight. After being 8-3, and three, after having a 90% chance at the playoffs, now they don't even control their own destiny. So they need a win at home against the Jets, and they need New England to lose. Now this is the other reason why Bill's Patriots even gets tricky. In some weird situation where the NFL says, listen, because of the situation that's going on right now with the Bills, we can't expect them to play a game this weekend. We are going to postpone New England-Buffalo. Well, you've already postponed Cincinnati-Buffalo, so you can't have two Buffalo makeup games. So would you then in some situation cancel both Buffalo games and say, well, uh... We'll call it a tie, and, and New England gets the half-point game, and then maybe they get a playoff spot. Like, I don't know. I don't know how any of this plays out, and you know, I'm sure we'll have more information as we go th- throughout the week. But back to the Dolphins now, where they don't control their own destiny. They, they need New England to lose to a Buffalo team who is now dealing with much bigger problems than football, and then they need to take care of business at home against the Jets. I will be there in person. If you are anywhere near Section 150, you see a dude in an all-black uniform and helmet, and that'd be me. That'd be me. Come say hi. Please introduce yourself. Um, I love meeting Twitter friends, listeners, all of the above. It would be an honor. But Dolphins got to take care of business at home. And then they got to wait for some help. The Jets, doesn't matter what they do, they're already eliminated. Then you have the Carolina Panthers taking on the New Orleans Saints on the road. Saints are favored by three and a half points. So in this game, you have don't matter versus what's the fucking point. Steve Wilkes has definitely made a case for being considered the full-time coach in Carolina, and I'm sure he will be in contention as they undergo that interview process. The Saints, though, have been dying a very slow death since the loss of Breeze and Peyton. I know they won three in a row now towards the end of the season, but too little, too late. And, you know, I'll never forget when I wrote an article a couple years ago. And to be fair... The title was a little clickbaity, and that that wasn't even how I meant it. It's just how I speak and how I talk. Uh, But the title of the article was, The Saints Are in Deep Shit. And Big Easy told me that I was a fucking moron, that I didn't know ball. Well, now who's taking the big L? I'll tell you who's taking the big L. It's all of us, collectively. Because I don't root for any team to be mismanaged. I don't root for any team to be unprepared for the inevitable. I was there for the Saints Super Bowl win. I was, you know, there for Steve Gleason. Like, I, like I'm all about it. But that doesn't mean I can't call things how I see them. I wish nothing but good for the Saints. But they got themselves into this horrific fucking mess 
and they need to crawl their way out of it now. Then you have the New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are favored by 14 points in this game. Seems kind of generous, especially considering are we even sure who the quarterback is going to be? Now, the Giants clinched the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Hell yeah, Big Blue, going back to the playoffs. Good for you. With the Eagles, Minshew Magic was running on low last week. And the Eagles could definitely use some mojo to wrap up the division, the number one seed in the NFC, as they head into the playoffs. Yes, the Eagles have not even wrapped up their division yet. So, they need this game. Now, I don't know if they cover by 14. We will see. Then you have the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are favored by three in this game. Now, Deshaun Watson last week, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 128 rating, and he's finding his groove, and this game that sees the Steelers technically still alive for the playoffs is going to be a hell of a test for him to see, you know, how close to being back he really is. Mike Tomlin just continues to defy convention and is refusing to have his first losing season ever. How can you bet against him? For what it's worth, I'm very glad to see Kenny Pickett having some success and showing some moxie, especially after his two concussions this year as a rookie. Yes, two concussions that nobody gives a shit about. But let's remember... Kenny Pickett is ranked 32 out of 33 quarterbacks, ahead of only Zach Wilson in passer rating. And that's okay. This is what rookies look like. But we have to stop crowning these fucking kids as the it factor, passing the eye test, and all this bullshit when they make a couple of good social media throws during a game in a season full of bad reads, poor timing, and rookie miscues. Now listen, I'm not shitting on the kid. This is what rookies look like. The exceptions to the rule are exactly that. They're the exceptions to the fucking rule. They're not the rule. And I hope he becomes a legend with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But not everyone has to be a bust or a future goat in year one. So let's pump the fucking brakes and try to enjoy the ride. The Dallas Cowboys that I previously mentioned are on the road against the Washington Commanders. The Dallas Cowboys are five and a half point favorites on the road. And again, the Cowboys can still clinch the division. If they win, if the Giants beat Philly, all roads point to Dallas winning the division. Dak is currently tied for the league lead in interceptions, and he has only played in 11 games. Way fewer than everybody else on the list. Not exactly championship caliber football. The Cowboys need to start cleaning up these fundamental things before the playoffs. Last year, I had them as my number one team heading into the playoffs. They were just built better than everybody else. There was no reason between offense and defense they shouldn't have won a Super Bowl. But fundamentals fucked them. 
They were the most penalized team in football. They got into a game with the referee crew that calls the most penalties in football. And what do you think happened? Penalty every other fucking play. That's all she wrote. Fundamentals, taking care of the football, staying in your lanes, wrapping up tackles, no penalties, no dumb fucking things. This is what the Cowboys have to do to prove that they are not the same old Cowboys. They are not just riding in to have a first, second round easy exit choke. Okay? So that's what I want to see out of them this week is a clean game against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders themselves decided to clinch the offseason by playing Carson Wentz. I don't know what the fuck ever went into that thinking, but... Beyond that, the Ron Rivera literally not knowing in the press conference that they could be eliminated that day says everything, and I'll tell you why. I know there's a lot of people who, you know, came to his defense and said, oh, he's worried about the X's and O's, and, you know, he he was just game planning for one game. He he doesn't, you know, need to put things in. No. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Bill Belichick already knows for the 2027 season which opponents he needs to beat in order to make the playoffs. Schedule hasn't even been set yet. That is hyperbole, and obviously I'm exaggerating, but you understand my point. There are coaches who have so much figured out. Like, if you ever watch... And, and there, there are coaches other than Belichick, but because he gets the most press coverage and because he gets the most attention, we get access to more insight onto the things that he does. So I'm not saying that Belichick is the only person who does this. Far from it. Um, I think Sean McVay. I think John Harbaugh even. Um, I think there are a lot of coaches that, that have this knack. But Bill Belichick, his recall for situation and his ability to notice the slightest of things, especially, you know, special teams, the way that certain players line up when they do certain things, the way that they give tells, almost like poker, the way that um, he can just spit off the most ridiculous stats of, you know, on second and fourth or, or fewer 80% of runs go to the left. Like stupid shit like that. Like the the amount of details that this person knows and that some of these coaches know and the amount of things that they are aware of. And even on top of that, a lot of them you hear stories about their players' personal lives and them understanding and knowing, you know, the wife and the children's name and all these crazy things and the things that they go out of their way to make sure that they're aware of and the things that are happening or, or people to, even even if they can't do it solo on their own, assistance that they have to inform them, hey, this is the situation, this is this situation. Like, you have a billion-dollar franchise at your disposal. You, you can have any staff you want. You can do whatever you want. So to have a, a head coach look like deer in the headlights when a reporter asks him, hey, if you're eliminated from the playoffs later today, um, is there any thought of playing, you know, this quarterback next week? And the coach go, wait, we can be eliminated? How, do, how, how does, like, how, how are you not 
not aware. I'm not a billion-dollar organization. Neither is the reporter who asked the question. We knew you could be eliminated. Like, I don't know who's who's not giving you information or who. But the overall point is that if I if if that same exact instance happened to Bill Belichick, first of all, he'd give you a bullshit answer anyway because he doesn't answer real questions. Hey, uh, coach, if uh, you're eliminated next week, any plans to uh, play ba- Bailey Zappi? Uh, you know, we just take these decisions, you know, one step at a time. And, you know, when we know that stuff, then we, we do what's best for the team. And, you know, we'll just on the next week and we'll figure it out. Like, th- that's it. Like, that's his MO. So he's not going to give you a real, uh, real answer anyway. And maybe that's part of the art that is Bill Belichick is – when he gives you those canned bullshit responses where he just repeats the same thing over and over again and he finds a different way to say fuck you to a reporter without actually saying it every single week, maybe that's part of the art is that, well, they're never going to catch me in bullshit because I never give them a straight answer anyway. So I'm just, I'm already prepared that I'm just going to dodge every question and just say nay nonsense. Whereas if Bill Belichick were to say, wait, uh, we can be we can be eliminated like they would be calling to put bill in a home in new england okay like and that's that's what makes it so jarring you want to be like ah you know he was worried like you couldn't see belichick doing it you you couldn't see harbaugh doing it like you, you just couldn't see these situations so that for me is telling but not as telling as saying yeah we're Fucking Carson Wentz. Yeah, that sounds like a good decision. Let's bring him in. He'll straighten everything out. Like, And listen, I want to give credit to the job that they were doing while they were on a winning streak and things were looking good and the team as a whole was playing well. So, like, I gotta, I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I want to give the good with the bad. And I think Riverboat Ron has his moments. And I'm not saying he's a complete fucking buffoon. I'm not saying he's, he's trash. What I'm saying is that I just, I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough there to bring home a Super Bowl with Ron alone. So, Commanders, I'm sure, will explore all options this offseason as far as whether they need to bring in other staff to assist Ron, uh, not just with playoff implications but in general and things that are happening with the team or you know if maybe it's time to go in a different direction and I'm sure a lot of that will depend on availability and which coaches are uh, interested then you have the Los Angeles Chargers they're taking on the Denver Broncos in Denver and the Chargers are favored on the road in Denver by three points the Chargers have clinched the playoffs, and the Broncos are bad. Like, I really don't know what else to say about this game other than Austin Eckler is a fucking monster. Rest him for the playoffs, and I would also not be playing fast and loose with the banged-up brothers either. Get Keenan and Mike to the sidelines ASAP. Rest everybody. I want to see this high-powered fucking offense in the playoffs. 
I am so excited for this playoffs because as it stands right now, as it stands right now, here's what we know. We have Josh Allen. We have Patrick Mahomes. We have Joe Burrow. We have Justin Herbert. We have, hopefully, Lamar Jackson and possibly Trevor Lawrence with a last spot yet to be determined. So, there's going to be some exciting fucking football in the AFC playoffs. Chargers are in. Let's make sure that they get out of this game healthy. For the Denver Broncos, I don't know. You know, Russ maybe gives the fans, you know, something, some some spark of positivity going into the offseason. He had a couple of good moments last week. You know, I want to give him credit where credit's due, where he looked like he might still have a dog in him. Um, but I think, you know, that dog might need to be put to sleep, uh, unfortunately. So, next game you have is the Arizona Cardinals. They're favored, I'm sorry, they are underdog by 14 points at San Francisco. It's a lot of fucking points. And I know, hey, get it. You know, 49ers, badass, best defense in the NFL, yada, yada, yada. Arizona Cardinals are hot trash. You heard of Custard's last stand? Well, this is going to be Cliff's last stand, and it will probably end with him getting scalped by Brock Purdy in a similar fashion. Um, Cardinals have lost six in a row, and every year... They just fade into oblivion. Do you know this word? Oblivion? Each year, it just gets worse and worse, and I honestly hope that their next coach has better luck because it's just been tough to watch from a team that seemed to have so much promise. You looked at the firepower they had with... Fitzgerald and then bringing in D-Hop and then getting Kyler Murray even post-Larry and just, you know, it seemed like James Conner was ready to take things over when Kenyon Drake ejected Osito and it just like, it it never gelled, it was never consistent, you know, you saw the tremendous start they would rip off to and then just shit the bed the rest of the year. So, it hasn't worked out, there needs to be change. Cliff's as good as gone. Um, Whereas on the opposite side of the field, you have the San Francisco 49ers, who have won nine straight games while losing two of their quarterbacks for the season. I don't know how you do not give this coaching staff all the credit in the world and how you do not give Shanahan coach of the year. It's, It's not even close for me. Under the situation, with everything involved, Shanahan's coach of the year. 49ers are living the high life right now, and GM John Lynch is looking like the GM of the century. Of course, having the number one defense in the NFL does make things easier for a rookie quarterback, but Mr. Irrelevant, bro. Like, if this turn, like, we we talk about Tom Brady being the 199th pick in the draft, and everybody who passed on him, sixth round, etc., etc. And I, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is going to be the next Tom Brady because no one will ever be the next fucking Tom Brady. I, I don't... 
I don't know how that man won seven fucking Super Bowls. I, I, it's unfathomable to me in a way that I don't think people in this time will truly appreciate until decades from now. But if Brock Purdy even becomes a solid NFL starter and becomes a top 10 quarterback and, you know, really starts doing things, a lot of people in a lot of scouting departments going to lose their job, man. Um, I say that half jokingly, but literally the last pick of the draft, they throw you a parade as a mockery and call you Mr. Irrelevant because no quarterback taken with the last pick of the NFL draft has ever even thrown a touchdown pass. Like, so hats off to the 49ers, man, and what they're doing out there. I hope they make a lot of noise in the postseason. And then that brings us to the Los Angeles Rams, who will not be enjoying the postseason. They are on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by six and a half points this week. And Baker baked a big old batch of fried dog shit last week against the Chargers. Only 132 yards through the air. They got down early. And it's just so wild to think that this 5-11 team won a Super Bowl last year. Less than 12 months ago, this team won a Super Bowl. They're not even close to the postseason. Um, I, I do think Sean McVay gets this team headed in the right direction. But this is statistically, the worst Super Bowl hangover in NFL history. And I I know a lot of people are being a little bit harsh on Sean McVay and the things that they're saying, but Sean McVay is still the youngest coach in the NFL by far. And he's already been to two Super Bowls. He's the youngest coach. I think he's like 36 years old. Like, I can't even fathom... Being that age, still that relatively young, and have been in two Super Bowls and won one of them. Do you know how good this guy is going to be at 46? Nobody's moving on from Sean McVay. Nobody's going anywhere. And I think Sean will get this team in the right direction. He's going through some growing pains right now. The team is going through some stuff. Super Bowl hangover included. Um... A lot of injuries, obviously the loss to Cup, the loss of Stafford, etc. But I think we'll get them going in the right direction. Now the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a very interesting one this offseason. But they're not headed to the offseason just yet. They still have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, they brought the dog in them out last week. They eliminated the Jets, former employer of both Geno and Pete Carroll. Seattle can still sneak in the playoffs with a win and a Green Bay loss. So Seahawks could still be headed for the postseason. But if they don't, it's one of those very interesting seasons where you you didn't do enough to be like, all right, yeah, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Everything's going good. But earlier, there was a lot of positivity surrounding the team. Gina was playing lights out. Uh, Seattle Seahawks look like they made the best move ever getting rid of Russell Wilson's contract and Gino doing well. So I I don't know that Pete steps away unless Pete really wants to step away. I don't think it's as dire as people are making it out. Obviously, making it into the playoffs and doing something would obviously um, help in that vein of, of keeping 
peed around and, and trying to see just how close they are to championship caliber football. No, now, oh, what did I do? I hit a fucking button. Um, after that, you have the Detroit Lions playing Sunday night football at the Green Bay Packers. Who would have thought? I mean, if we would have told you eight weeks ago, listen, the Lions and the Green Bay Packers are fighting for the last playoff spot and they're going to be flexed to the last regular season game in Sunday Night Football, you'd be like, no. If Seattle loses, Detroit controls their own destiny. If Seattle wins, Detroit's already eliminated and they don't have much to play for. So I would love to see Seattle and Geno get into the playoffs. But if it doesn't happen, my consolation prize is knowing that either Man Campbell is going to the playoffs or Aaron Rodgers is getting another shot in the postseason. So, Green Bay controls their own destiny, which is unfathomable. They were 4-8. and eight. They had a 1% chance to make the playoffs like Han Solo 12 said, never tell me the odds. People were calling for Jordan Love to play. It was done. I mean, we said it. We said it on the podcast. We're like, I'm done talking about the Packers. They're not the team that we thought they were. I'm not betting for them. I'm not like, they're going to miss the fucking playoffs. Like, it was done. It was a foregone conclusion. 1% chance. I mean, you know, listen, we take our L's when, when we get them. I mean, we still don't know if they're going to make the postseason. They got a shot, right? But if they do, I'll be the first person to be like, I was wrong. I counted Rodgers out like a dumbass and thought that there was no way they pulled this out of their ass from 4-8 and eight to somehow make a run and, and make the playoffs. Like it, it just seemed almost impossible, but it, it happens. And again, we'd be in the majority. The people are like, no, Packers still had an easy... Like, I always believe... Like, shut the fuck up. Unless you time-stamped it, dated it, screenshot it, where we can find it on the internet, it doesn't exist. But... I hope that both teams have fun and everybody plays well and everybody gets out healthy. And that, for the moment, is all the games that we have scheduled. Uh, there also, you know, I told you there wasn't a line on the Buffalo game. There also isn't a line on the Bengals game at the moment because, again, I they don't know what the fuck's going to happen. But... Having said all of that, it's been a crazy week. There's all kinds of shit going on in the news that I don't even want to get into right now as it relates to football. But to stay up to date, to stay part of the conversation as far as what's going on, the pieces that move, how it affects, um, there's going to be obviously some fantasy implications based on how, if, when this game is rescheduled, things like that. There's a, a lot of other secondary things that are on the line. Vegas has already refunded most of the bets that I'm aware of from last week. And obviously, this is all completely not even secondary or tertiary to the fact of, you know, human beings' life is, you know, at stake right now and, and somebody is um, 
you know, going through a great deal, not just him, his teammates, his, his family, everything else like that. So again, this is not to make light of any of that. This is not to, you know, say that it doesn't matter. But we're a sports show. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to diagnose people on the internet, on Twitter, like so many people seem to be able to. I'm not an expert in any of that. I cover football, and this is what we do every single week. So we're glad that we could do it together. Thank you, as always, for joining us. My name is Waldo. This is Regulators Podcast. Please share us with a friend if you enjoyed this. If you didn't, then politely go fuck yourself. Uh, Find us on Twitter at Regulators Pod, where you can tell us how much you enjoyed the show, or you can tell us to go fuck ourselves as well. Thank you. Until next time, we out. Regulators!